The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we're recording much quicker turnaround than normal. Uh, we usually record on Friday nights, which we did for our last episode of The Last Unicorn. Um, but we're back on a Tuesday night because Corey's going to some big you know, music festival in the old Georgia state. I don't that's know. Right. That's right. That's oh. right. <laughs> So so talkative. Um, I'm I'm gonna be a little salty for a minute, <laughs> and I'm allowed to cuss on this one. So here goes nothing. Oh. So um, you know they released, you know bag size limit. Cool. I just carry like a crossbody little bag, anyways. And then like not too long ago, they released that your bag can only have one pocket or opening. And I know you're a man, but you have a wife and you have a daughter. And I feel like you've probably looked in your wife's bag or something at some time. I know that I've asked Bill to get things out of my bag. It's, like, impossible to find a bag that doesn't have, like, the little side zippy inside for, like, loose stuff. My personal favorite is chapstick. You know, like, that little pocket. And I can't find a bag that doesn't have more than one opening. Wait, which airline is this? No, no, no. This is at the music festival. Oh, at the fest? Okay, because I was like, I just flew, no. and my backpack had like no, no. 20 zippers on it. No, I know. Exactly. <laughs> and then they're, and then today they're like, expect TSA length, to, you know, whatever, to get in the festival. And I'm like, but, I mean, what does that, what, uh, you can't find a bag with one opening. You know what I mean? I mean, I do <laughs> for the most part. I feel like... Yes. I've seen some kind of like like the novelty kind of bags. You know, obviously you're not gonna find one that's gonna hold like all your stuff, but I feel okay. like you could get one that's like in the shape of like a cat head with I only one zipper. Everywhere they always have the change bag inside, and the one that I the one that has a little change thing. And I, you know, I'm being I want to be a lawyer about this right Ooh. now because. Oh. I'm not ever going to be a lawyer. I'm not that. No, that's not true. I mean, if you want to be, you can be. But... I really don't. I don't like talking. Oh. Um, but so I'm glad I... you're a podcaster. Cause... Yes. But this is all of my social interaction. And then I, I have work. And I talk on the phones for work. And that's, that's more than enough for this girl. Got it. But, you know, it says bag size may not exceed blah, blah, blah. I'm good there. And must have no more than one singular pocket or opening. Did they just um, start that? Like, Oh, they just updated this, like, not that long ago. Ah. Oh, people it. can't even bring backpacks. So, also, here's another thing I would like to talk about. The gates open at 11.30. The music starts at 11.45. And then it goes, I think the last band hits the stage at 11 or something like that. So, you're going to be outside in the sun. And how are you supposed to carry your water bottles? And your hat and your sunscreen because I'm neon white and I sunburn and look like a lobster and just different things that you need. You know what I mean? And it's going to probably rain because it's the South and that's what it does. So I need to have like Ziploc bags to put my phone in. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I mean, you want to be able to make sure you don't break your phone. Although I am pretty sure the S nine is waterproof. So um, don't try me. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the the galaxies are pretty reliable with that. I mean, you don't like dunk it in the the ocean and leave it there, but uh, the, it's pretty. I think it even has like the same rating as like a dive watch now. So as, this was made for me. Yeah, it, the the galaxy phones are pretty sturdy. Um, you still got to protect them from like drops because they'll still crack. But um, as far as like, and if they're cracked, then water becomes an issue, obviously. But uh, just like I getting like, wet. In fact, there was a whole like line of little Wayne commercials where he was putting his phone in the fish tank and crap like that. Like, they were exaggerating, but they are, like, fairly reliable phones, so. So they could have just told me that when I was buying in. She wouldn't have had to show me anything else on the phone. Because <laughs> I like to read and listen to albums and stuff while I'm taking bubble baths. And I'm 87. 
But stop being on their side, John. I just need you to be with me on this oh, one. Oh, I'm with you for, like, stupid festival. But I also, I'm, I'm a Samsung supporter, so I had to, like, you know, yes. drop uh, And my phone in. isn't the only thing I need that day. True, no. And it's an all-day, it's a three-day festival, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all day. Yeah, and actually, I mean, I've yeah. done that. I haven't even done that to that degree. I When livestock was still a thing because now it's called like uh rock fest and it's only one day but livestock used to be like a three-day festival and people would like camp out on the, the campgrounds and stuff i did i went one year like in 2001 or something and um we only went made it a day because we didn't have any money because we were you know, 19 and we spent all our money on tickets so we didn't have you know sufficient funds to properly eat or drink at the festival um we didn't think to bring sunscreen and we live in florida so we're stupid and by the end of the day, we were uh, exhausted because we, we were so excited about going that we didn't sleep the night before. So we were like <laughs> sleep deprived, sunburnt, starving and dehydrated by the yeah, end of the day. So luckily yeah. we were smart enough to not go to day two. But you had we brought a, like a bag of stuff, we would have been fine. And so it sounds like this festival is trying to make it where you can't. Um, I'm sure it's about drugs when it boils down to it. it's drugs and weapons. I mean, Can that's. We- talk about something with drugs though and can we be like a thousand percent clear like honest i mean people stick it up their butt they're going to get them in like there's nothing you can do i mean you know purses and bags have linings in them and you know there i just know that people can i go to shows all the time and i've had to take my little bottle of medicine and throw it away because I, like, mix my Aleve and my ibuprofen because I'm old and different things do different things for me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I've had to throw that away. And then the same night had a girl, like, dying beside me. So you're not going to keep all of that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, high five. Good try. But it's and not I mean, going to work. I do get that it's for safety. I mean, it's hard to forget, like, Dimebag Daryl was killed by a fan um, yeah. who brought a gun into a concert. You know, like... It's uh, outdoors, though, too. I mean, you're not wrong. If somebody really, 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 really wanted to, something bad could actually happen Which to people in the festival. Something didn't happen at, in Vegas, I, right? Not too long ago. Yeah. So. Uh, what was? I forget that festival. But even, I mean, yours was different because it's all around the city in Austin. But mm-hmm. you know, they're checking bags and stuff. I'm, I'm guessing when you go into at least the concerts and things. I don't know about. The not the movies, not. Um, although that is kind of, I don't know, I guess we don't bring too much into the movies, because they're more concerned, like, of us sneaking food in, even, but um, I don't recall, I didn't go to any of the concerts at South By, so I don't know for sure, um, but I would imagine they are. I mean, I know that House of Blues has, like, metal detectors, and they make you empty your pockets and stuff, but that's not yeah, all day. Too. Yeah. Yeah, so, no. All day feels like, I mean, I understand, again, I definitely see the need for uh, caution, um, on their part because you you are trying to prevent a disaster. However, you got to be a little flexible. I mean, if they're going to be checking bags anyways, what's the difference if it's an extra pocket or not, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if I'm looking too far into it and that, like, little change purse on the inside wouldn't even matter. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't want to get there and have all my crap in the bag and not, you know. And what about all those guys that wear all the crazy... Well, this is, like, more of a folky festival, right? But... Oh, um, no. no. We are having Queens of the Stone Age. Jack White. I consider um, Jack White folky. Oh, hell no. I mean, he's just... not like metal. Like... No, but he... I think that people get high and listen to music. I mean, I don't know. See, but that to <laughs> me is folk music, too. So, like, is that... Like, I don't know. I'm not good with music genres. Um, I, I'm not saying I don't like... I, I do like Queens of the Stone Age. Like, I like the album Dave Grohl played drums on, at least. Um... I don't and even know which one that was. It was a while ago. It's the little, si- I think little sister was on it. And Ooh, um, okay. Like, I'm pretty sure that was that album. They, but they brought Grohl out of retirement from drumming, um, which was pretty impressive because, you know, he hadn't drummed since Nirvana. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're still going to have a good time despite the, uh, you know, the, the struggles. But try not to stress too much. But I live in two days. I know, I know, and that's that's why we're recording so early this week. I know, but um, I'm running out of options and I've looked everywhere, and this is freaking ridiculous. But I'm done, but I just want to put them on blast, and I want them to know they're being pains in the neck. Agreed, of course. And I'm not taking any drugs anyways. Correct, yes, and that that's a good thing to note. Yeah, uh, this is a yeah, drug-free you know? podcast. Yeah. Um, I drink water a lot. Our movies, uh, our movies that we watch are not drug-free, case in point, the one we're recording about tonight. 
I and am addicted to Diet Coke. I, I'm addicted to movies. I was just at the movie theaters getting my my daily fix. Um, what did you watch? My wife and I went and saw uh, I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. Oh. It's, you know what? I don't hate her. I, I A lot of people have really, like, jumped on the hate Amy Schumer bandwagon. And I don't know. I don't remember if she did something specific that's why they hate her. Or if they just are, like, because she's not the she's funny. norm. I, I used to like her stand-up quite a bit. I didn't like her last stand-up special at all. Um, she's kind of run her bit into the ground where that goes. I like Trainwreck when I first saw it. I've not rewatched it, so I don't know if it would hold up. Um, but there is some good stuff in I Feel Pretty. And it's also got a lot of structural problems. And I don't know for sure that the director slash writer combination um, knew what they wanted to say. And I haven't actually wrote my review yet for this one. This is a rare uh, verbal review before I've even really got my thoughts together. But... Um, I was just reading a review from uh, Roger Ebert's website, um, kind of trying to wrap my head about some of my issues and see if other people were feeling the same thing, because I think there's some really positive messages in the movie, but I also feel like some of it gets buried with uh, some bad choices in the plot. Michelle Williams is in it, though, and oh, I, di- I didn't what? realize it. Yeah, and she's playing this, like, owner of a, like, oh, Liz Claire-type, like, oh. makeup company, um, and she's... Normally, she would be the antagonist, but I don't feel like that's what they do with her in this movie. Like, she's not... In fact, I think almost every character that you expect to be cruel or mean to Amy Schumer's character has their own issues, like their own self-confidence issues, and that's a really positive element of the film that I don't think they explore enough. Um, Like, Rory Scovel is the love interest uh, in the film, and he's great, actually, in this. And they don't he mentions that he's insecure and you get like uh he goes to zumba class um for exercise and like they like he mentions like uh the people at work or they're the boys club like you can tell he feels like he doesn't connect with other men in the way that like traditionally men would connect and be friends and so you can see that he has some confidence issues the first time they're about to be intimate he takes his pants off but he doesn't take his shirt off like there's little things like that that aren't really they don't draw too much attention to him but they're subtle and they're there that I think the movie has a lot going for it. And then there's just these other like glaring problems. And the uh, Amy Schumer's character kind of goes off the rails with like her confidence doesn't seem like confidence anymore. It just feels like arrogance. And that it doesn't it, it didn't add up. And there is this they kind of play on the body switch movies, you know, where like a character switches to another body. They play on that idea and it's really it's a it's a cool concept and um it's not perfectly executed but i I do think it's it's watchable and there's some definitely good moments and there's some upbeat stuff kathy seemed to like it for the most part uh she did point out that i was the only guy in the theater when we left um and it was it was for a tuesday night it was pretty packed i mean it's a small the one of the smallest theaters at our at our um i'm sorry one of the smallest screens at our uh theater but um yeah i i everyone seemed to have a decent time with it like there was clear lulls in the laughter like there was early on there was a lot of laughter late in the movie there was some more laughter there's a good chunk in the middle that kind of loses it but i i went off michelle williams is uh playing this like model type makeup like heiress like she she kind of inherited this makeup line but she has this really high pitched, like squeaky voice. Oh no! And yeah. so, but she, that's one of that's her confidence issue. She doesn't like her voice. She knows it makes her sound dumb, and people don't take her seriously. And it's, I don't know, like because they could have really like made her evil or manipulative, and she's not that at all. Um, and you actually, everyone, all the characters have like well character. They're not just these completely two dimensional entities and that that's impressive in a comedy especially a comedy that is about artificiality and and you know appearances and aesthetics yet you kind of get to know almost all the characters there's one or two little i think they do too many characters i think that's another problem because there's a love interest and then there's a like maybe like a hopeful love interest and that plot line is unnecessary and it doesn't really it actually it adds some some drama and some stress but it feels like excessive like it could have been left out and the movie would have been tighter um and could have explored more because again rory scoville as the, the her boyfriend type character is so good in the movie and um i've seen him in, uh he's in 
Dean with um, Dimitri Martin, but he's got a real small part in that. And he was on a TV show on TBS that I'm not going to remember the name of, but Skylar Aston, who was in Pitch Perfect 1 and 2, it was his like attempt of a sitcom. And I liked it for the most part, but Rory Scovel worked in the basement of this like uh, Wall Street business type thing, and he was really funny in that. He's a stand-up com- comic, too, and he's... Um, He's been on Douglas movies a couple of times, and I, I generally like him, but this is the first kind of leading male role that he's had, and I thought he, he nailed it, um, especially in what kind of plays like a rom-com. It's not a total rom-com, because it's definitely not focused on the romance, but the romance plays a factor, and I think if they had focused on the romance, it would have made the movie stronger, because I really liked their connection and their chemistry really worked together. Sorry to give such a long review about this movie. I guess we're reviewing... I feel pretty and inherent vice tonight, but I'll just say some mm-hmm's and okays because I haven't seen it. Yeah, but um, I we were gonna go last night, and then when I realized we were recording tonight, I was like, "Oh, I better watch Inherent Vice first uh, to make sure that I get that um, out." And plus, Regal Cinemas Tuesday nights are half price popcorn, and Kathy loves popcorn, so made sense to go tonight. Um, yeah. On a quick side note, because uh, this is a good time to jump into what else we've been watching, I'll knock mine out first real quick. Um, since we last spoke, which was just Friday, uh, I have seen Dark Crimes, which is a movie that comes out like in a couple of weeks. Um, it's a Jim Carrey film, but he's playing a uh, detect- like a shame detective who's trying to redeem himself. Um, and there's this... He's like solving a murder that's connected to a weird sex club thing, and I think they're in feel pretty sure they're in Poland but it's they all speak English but there is a reference to where they are and they have accents and it's not it's not American or even British accents I feel like one of the characters said they're in Poland but there's no way for me to know that for sure um but it was it, it had a lot of problems um I'll say the, to say the least um I then went and saw Super Troopers 2 on Sunday and uh, I feel like if you like the first one, you can find a lot of joy in the second one. Definitely not um, flawless by any means. And there's there's some redundancies in the stories. And some of the, the new cast they bring in are a little generic. Although Rob Lowe's in it, and I always enjoy Rob Lowe. Um, it's funny to see the different parts that he plays. And this is a great example of that. In fact, he has a tendency in comedies... Um, to be a bad guy like if you look back he's wayne's world he's a bad guy tommy boy he's a bad guy um and so seeing him in a comedy like this again was kind of interesting d-bag and uh oh my god saint elmo's fire too oh and austin powers the spy who shagged me i think is that the second one um he shows up as young number two uh when they travel back in time um oh i forgot what yeah 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 He's not, he's young number two, uh, which is enjoyable because I like Rob Lowe a lot. And then you can never forget about his role in Parks and Rec because he's amazing. Chris, whatever his last name is in that show. I love that show. But Someone um, tried to tell me... Hold on, we need to talk about this. Someone okay. tried to tell me the other day that Parks and Rec is a ripoff of The Office. And I wish I remembered who it was so I could never speak to them again. Well, it is by the same people. <laughs> And it does start off as a ripoff of The Office, I think almost 100%. I feel like Amy Poehler's character in season one is trying so hard to be Michael Scott. And it's not until season two that she becomes Leslie Nope, And that's when I love that character. Um, season one, she's, she's kind of dubbed as incompetent but lucky, which is how I describe Michael Scott's business practices. Like, he's incompetent, but he tends to just somehow barrel through everything and make it. And that's how she's initially kind of presented, but by the later episodes, she's never presented that. She's over-optimistic. She's over-happy. And, but she's brilliant. She's especially brilliant at her at her jobs, uh, her job and politics. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I definitely can... And obviously there is the stylistic choices that it is a mockumentary of sorts. Although they don't play on it like the office does like the later seasons of the office they really dive into the mockumentary you have the guys interacting with you know the camera people all of a sudden well jim always looks at the camera i mean mm-hmm. the, you have the testimonials in parks and rec so you know there is a camera and that they know about it but they don't like the end of the office there they actually they go see the documentary like that's a part of the fu- the final season is them the documentary airing and then people learning things about each other and whatnot like that's 
it actually plays a part in the plot, which does not happen in Parks and Rec. There's no real, there's never an explanation, I think, of why we were filming them, like there is in The Office. You got quiet. You, I you, said fine. Oh, okay. You're a day yeah. ruiner. I'm sorry. No, but again, <laughs> I, I think Parks and Rec is better, if that makes it's you feel... It's way better. Um, I do love The Office, though. I'm a big fan of The Office. I think Parks and Rec is collectively better. I think the characters are so much... like. And again, love The Office. I love Parks and Rec that much more. Um, I mean, come on. Ron Swanson alone crushes He's my... it. Yeah. The only thing we don't agree on is the clear liquor, but you know. The the liquor his is that... clear. He's like clear, oh. clear alcohol is for women on diets, or maybe we just <laughs> like gin, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of bourbon myself, so I I am, but I'm not opposed to like a good vodka. So, uh, but, um, yeah. What have you been watching though, Corey? Because I, that's, that's all I've been watching. <laughs> it's the John Show. No, I'm kidding. Um, I have just been working really hard on my school paper, and then um, I've only had time to watch a couple episodes of Big Love, and mm. I just I watched it so long ago, and I just forgot so many like things that are absolutely nuts that happen in the show. Well, uh, speaking of shows, um. I recorded with uh, Matt, our friend from What I Watched in uh, What I Watched Tonight. Um, co. uk, uh, our bloody awesome movie podcast. The other day, and when we were um, talking about Ghost Stories, which is uh, I want to see that you and I think it might be on VOD. It, it came out what? officially four twenty, um, and oh, I don't. Wait. It has a limited theatrical run. He got to see it over there in the UK, um, which makes sense because it is a UK production. I got to see it at the Florida Film Festival. Um, I, we both loved it and we were talking about Martin Freeman and he brought up, um, that he is a bigger fan of the British office, which, um, surprised me not because he was a fan of it over our our office. He's in England. I thought that would be the norm, but he told me that's not the norm that most of his friends over there actually prefer the American office, partly because there's seven seasons in the American office and there's only two seasons of the British office. So, and it should be noted those two seasons are only six episodes each. Um, so there's only a total of, there's actually 14 episodes because there's two Christmas episodes that were not included in the first two seasons, according to IMDb. Um, but after talking to him about it, cause one, the reason we brought it up is Martin Freeman is the Jim character in the British office. Um, it, which is Tim. It's not Jim. It's Tim in the British office. Have you seen the British office? No, but I know so many people that love it so much more. Is it Ricky Gervais? Ricky Gervais is the Michael Scott type character, but it's not Michael Scott. They're all the names are different. Um, I, I I've watched the first season uh, since I recorded with Matt on Saturday, uh, six episodes only, and they're like twenty minutes or so on Netflix. Um, and I do like it. Uh, the first episode's tough, much like the first season of The American Office. Um, and then it, the characters start really coming in. Martin Freeman gets a little bit more airtime. I was kind of expecting him to just be Jim. And I'm happy to say I think that uh, Tim is his own character. There are plot lines that are similar. But as far as like Jim looking at the camera and stuff, that seems like a John Krasinski thing and not a character-driven thing. Um, not that he doesn't do some... like He does have a rivalry with a Dwight-type character who's different, again. Um, but if you've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean films... The uh, the pirate with the wooden eyeball that constantly keeps like ooh, popping up. Ooh, That's ooh, the yes. Dwight character. Oh, and then um, the actress that plays Dawn, who is the Pam type character that Tim is uh, secretly in love with, but she's engaged with a, a jerk. Um, very much again similar to the plot lines of The Office. Uh, it's the I forget her name and I feel awful, but she's the girlfriend to Sean in Shaun of the Dead. Um, well, the girl who breaks up with Sean initially, and then he goes to rescue her. Um, I'm forgetting her name right now. But um, those were the the big-name actors who I recognize right away. But I, I really enjoy what I've seen. I did, like I said, I powered through the first six. Um, I, I'm going to watch the next season sometime this week. Uh, but I also had to keep up with my show uh, go on the Go90.com network with our boy Alejandro, um, the Rebel Without a Crew. I always just want to sing Lady Gaga's Alejandro every I, time. <laughs> I do. I, I serenade him every Alejandro. chance I get. Yes. Um, but uh, 
I just there through seven episodes of the show and it gets pretty pretty intense. Um, I'm gonna be watching uh, one of the other directors. I think Bola Ogan. I'm probably mispronouncing her last name. Sorry, Bola. Um, I'm gonna be reviewing her film from Rebel Without a Crew as well. Um, and I want to say congratulations to Alejandro because we we both saw Monday already. Um, but he just got uh, accepted into the Soho Film Festival in New York in June. Um, they're going to be showing okay. Monday there. So uh, really big achievement. So congrats, buddy. Um, and if you haven't listened to our interview episode of, with Alejandro, you should check it out. Uh, it was a fun conversation. We still need to watch The Dark Knight Rises um, and group chat each other because we, we owe it it's to ourselves. It's summer, guys. It's almost here. I'm only three three and a half weeks away, I think, for uh, my summer vacation. Um, yes. And then I have a training. And then... It looks like I'm going to be teaching two college classes next uh, next semester. So, what classes? Uh, a, a computer and business analytical class. If it all works out, it looks really positive. I don't want to say 100% yet, but um, so I'm going to be a little busier next semester. But I'm finally going to be putting my master's degree to work. So I, I'm glad about that. So, Rad. And I think on that note, we should get into the movie of the week. 30 minutes later, I'm kidding. Well, that's usually how we do this. Um, I know. I real quick. Long. Okay, well, uh, before we get into it, I should note, my daughter is eavesdropping, apparently, and um, <laughs> she texted me, and I, I said something wrong, so I need to correct myself. There are oh. nine seasons of The Office and seven seasons <laughs> of Parks and Rec. I apologize. I've raised, I, I've raised her correctly, and she likes good TV. So, yes. um, we're going to be talking about Inherent Vice, uh, which is part of our Paul Thomas Anderson month. Every week in May... Corey and I have selected a Paul Thomas Anderson film that we have not seen, and we will be watching um, to, uh, well, it's mainly for me. Corey hasn't, Corey's seen Inherent Vice. Um, technically, I've seen what we're going to be watching next week, uh, but it's been a long time, and I definitely didn't watch it with a movie critical mind. Um, but let's uh, get into the specifics of Inherent Vice. It came out in 2014, so it's one of his newer films. His most recent, I believe, is Phantom Thread. I don't think there's anything between those two. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, in 1970, drug-fueled Los Angeles private investigator Larry Doc Spur- uh, Sportello investigates the disappearance of a former girlfriend. Um, as noted, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, written by Paul Thomas Anderson for the screen, but based on the book by Thomas Pinch- Pinchon? Pinon? I'm not sure if it's you really emphasize the CH or not. But this movie has such a cast. Um, it stars Joaquin Phoenix for sure. Like he is the main character. We are following him around. He is the guy we are with the whole movie. But we get Josh Berlin. We get Owen Wilson, Catherine Waterson, Joanna Newsom, um, Jordan Christian, something or other. Uh, let's see, it jumps around so much here because there's like big name people that are like way down on the list. Eric Roberts, uh, Maya Rudolph. Um, Michael Kenneth Williams has an important part. Hong Chow, who, uh, if you saw, um, Downsizing, uh, the, oh, I'm going to forget the director's name, but if you saw Downsizing, she is a major role in that. Um, it's not a great movie, mind you, but she is, has a major role in it. Um, Benicio Del Toro, who shows up a few times. Jenna Malone, who I think I missed in the movie, but she's listed here. Um, oh, no, I just realized who she is. Uh, Owen Wilson has a major role in this. Reese Witherspoon has a prominent role but not super major i think that's the gist of the major players in this oh martin short gotta gotta at least mention martin short yeah huge cast lots and lots of characters that come in and out of the movie but again always focused on joaquin's character um cory you've seen this and you also watched this last week on accident <laughs> i did why don't you start us off what did you think um well i I'm glad I watched it again because there's so much going on in this movie and my movie going experience wasn't that great because it was at the flicks oh. and yeah, uh, this didn't like screen like at my regular theaters. It only played at the flicks. So, um, I was pretty excited about it. So we went to see it, but this was one of those cases that everyone was talking the whole time and there's a lot going on in the movie and I love Joaquin Phoenix so much. But he's a mumbler. Yeah. Oh, I had issues with volume while watching this at my house last yeah. night. Yeah. And I I don't know. So I feel like this movie, I don't care who you are, it probably needs some sub- subtitles. Um, But I enjoyed it. I feel like I should watch it again because I'm sure there's even more. But um, I 
really liked it. Well, interesting uh, that you mentioned watching it again. I definitely feel like this is a movie that I need to rewatch to fully get every little intricacy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a I watched a YouTube video that kind of broke down their like interpretation of it after I saw it, and I started reading an article, but it was kind of late, and I don't actually know. I finished the whole article. I just remembered it felt like it didn't finish its own article. Like it felt like it just stopped. Ew. And I was like, "Hey, wait! I want I wanted to get where you were going, but I, I don't feel like I, you got there." Um, because I not because I didn't grasp any of it, but I definitely felt like okay, I probably missed some things, and I did. I got distracted a couple of times. Um, not usually I watch movies in my man room, and it's just me and the TV is only like four feet away from me. And if I'm really f- having trouble focusing, I'll, like, put headphones on so, like, the sound's just in my ears. Um, I th- I think, and, and this is in the most in- adorable way I think I could say this, is I feel like my wife has missed me because I was gone a lot the last two months between the festivals. And she actually wanted to watch the movie with me, even though she didn't know anything about it. Um, I didn't, like, usually I'll try to sell her on it. Like, I'll be like, well, it's got these people and whatever. She was just like, what are you watching? I'm like, Inherent Vice. She's like, well, why don't you watch it out here? I'm like oh okay sure um but there's way more distractions in the living room than there are in my man room uh the dog sits with me and she'll she wants me to pet her and then um the kitchen's right next to it so then i get like oh well i want to make vegetarian tacos and like that's not something i should do when i'm watching a movie but you know that that happened um by the way vegetarian tacos not bad um but I definitely, uh, there's so much going on in this movie that if I was, even if I had zero distractions, I would have been a little distracted because there's just so many things going on. And the, uh, YouTube video, which I meant to give this guy credit and I always forget to, uh, write down names of the videos and stuff, but, um, the YouTube video that I watched, I thought he did a good job of kind of like explaining where he was coming from with his interpretation, but also not not saying it was like this is the only way to interpret it but just kind of like here it is uh it's from jack's movie reviews on youtube is the the one i watched and the video is simply called the meaning of inherent vice um and the point that i took away the most from his was to not watch inherent vice looking for plot but rather looking at characters because the movie is heavily focused on the characters and I agree with that a lot. Um, and what that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie is because Doc is a likable guy, you know? I know. You you feel for him. He's trying to do what he thinks is the right thing. He has a very strong moral compass. Um, not necessarily that it will agree with everybody else's, but he has a definitive idea of what's right and wrong. Um, I have a whole lot of interpretations of my own that I'm not sure are right or wrong. I'm going to throw them out there during spoilers and see what you think. Um, but this is definitely a movie that I enjoyed. Um, I have seen with Paul Thomas Anderson, I have seen, uh, there will be blood. I saw phantom thread and I think I saw boogie nights, but I was a kid when I saw boogie nights. Um, and I think that's it. I think those are the only Paul Thomas Anderson films I've seen. Holy crap. Oh, he has a lot of like credits that are shorts and things like that, but I'm trying to scroll through his movies real quick. I've seen phantom thread. As mentioned, I really like Phantom Thread a lot. Inherent Vice. There's a movie called Jun Un in 2015, but it's a documentary that he did. Um, he does. A, he bounces around. He's done some music videos. He did one for Fiona Apple in 2013. Um, the Master. I've not seen. There will be blood. I've seen. Um, I've not seen Punch Drunk Love, but I've actually heard very good things about that. Oh, I enjoyed that movie. Um, I haven't seen Magnolia. Saw Boogie Nights. Watch. You tried what? I tried watching Magnolia. Mm. And I've been telling you, are we watching it? Um, I don't rem- I don't Yeah, I think we are. And The Master. That I just bought The Master. I'm going to probably watch that on my own since that's not going to make it into our month cuz you picked uh well, I guess we can go ahead and say we're going to be watching Boogie Nights next week. Um then we're going to be watching uh I'm pretty sure Magnolia, but now I'm not sure, so I have to look it up. But um, I'm gonna pull that up here, but uh, you picked Hard Eight from 1996 for your other movie. Um, I think there? that's oh. yeah. Okay, it got quiet again. I don't know what keeps getting quiet. It's just me. Um, we we are watching Magnolia uh, on the uh, the other movie I picked. So it's Inherent Vice, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Hard Eight. 
Um, and I'm gonna, I bought the master though, and I plan on watching that on my own uh, to kind of knock off the rest of his films. And I, I do need to get Punch Drunk Love too, I guess, um, or look to see if it's on stream or something. But so I've seen a few of his movies. I've seen his biggest movie. I think his most successful film was There Will Be Blood, and then Phantom Thread, his Daniel Day Lewis return. Um, but Inherent Vice, I found uh, to be a lot of fun, very different than There Will Be Blood or Phantom Thread. Um, and I, man, I love so many of the cast because I, I'm a huge Josh Berlin fan. Um, I even like, you haven't seen Avengers yet, Corey, but, uh, his role as Thanos is fantastic. Um, and I really like him in so many movies, but, um, uh, including two of my favorite Cohen films, uh, True Grit, he's the, the villain, I guess you could say. And then he is, uh, the protagonist in, um, Oh man, why can't I think? Uh, no Country for Old Men. I could not pull that name for a second. Oh yeah, which we just watched. I, I'm a huge Josh Berlin fan, and I love him in this movie because he is—he plays the cop named, uh, nicknamed Bigfoot, but he's also an actor, and like he shows up like the very first time we see him in the movie, he's got an afro and he's like pitching like real estate ads on t- on a commercial, and it cracked me up so hard. So I'm I just really really enjoy him as an actor. Um. And Owen Wilson's always Owen Wilson. Like he's 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 got a uh, presence about him that I always like. Um, and Catherine Watterson, who uh, I honestly was unaware of before Alien Covenant from last year, and now she keeps popping up in movies that I I hadn't seen in the past. So uh, her showing up in this, I thought she did a terrific job as Shasta. Um, a little surprised by the uh, the nudity scene in the film though. Like she is very naked for a very long time. Um, with no, like, there's no sexuality to the scene. She's, I mean, there is, but it's conversational. It's not, like, it's not graphic. or the, And, again, there is no actual sex, but she's just naked for an uncomfortably long time, in my opinion. Like, she's just talking to Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know. I think she had a necklace on. <laughs> she did, Does that not, con- I'm sorry. I didn't realize. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, I, you know. I mean, I'm not not placing judgment or anything. I was just usually because kinda... she, she's just there, and actually that will lead into a uh, conversation spoiler thing I want to get into. Um, but uh, I liked the movie. Obviously, you liked it the first time, and you liked it the same the second. Maybe a little more the second. Oh, great! That that makes me even more excited to give it another go. Although it is a little long. It's two, what two it hours is. and twenty minutes. And I forgot that part. And I was like, oh my god, I better watch this last yeah. weekend. Because I was like, I don't know. And then, you know, I didn't even need to. And then I had to watch The Last Unicorn. And it just, you know. Which I felt was too long. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> and Corey never shows movies again. No, Are you no. ready for spoilers? Yeah. Uh, well, yes. But before we get to spoilers, I think it sounds like we both recommend this. So before we get into spoilers, Corey guys we're gonna talk about 2014 inherent vice we're gonna talk about it in great detail <laughs> i need to get better at my one job and uh spoilers you've been warned so with that said again stop listening because i'm gonna say things that i'm um, right out the gate because we don't go in order here we just talk about what we want to talk about i'm under the impression that 90 percent of what happens in this movie is in his head what yeah I think most of it is a hallucination. Um, my biggest amount of evidence is the narrator is in his head. But isn't that their friend? Okay, so I I need to talk about this. Okay, so uh, the name is Sortilege? Sortilege? Sortilege. I don't know. Uh, played was... by Joanna Newsom. Uh, and I need to say this. She's fine as a narrator in this. Mm-hmm. I still don't like her voice, but she has like the worst singing voice in the history of the world. Oh, see, I don't. I'm not familiar with the music, but she's on a bunch of soundtracks. I did see that. Yeah, uh, her voice, her singing voice is ridiculous. I, just I don't understand. She came to, yeah, Boise knows just like why. Um, and I'm forgetting. I think she plays harp. Um, yep. She's a multi instrumentalist. Oh, okay. Uh, but she's famous for playing harp. Um, but yeah, don't recommend that. I can stand her in this, but still. And you know, when I first saw this, well, when I saw this the first time, I was like a little confused and I asked about something else that happened in the movie and 
to the podcast, Brendan, was like, well, we don't really get all the answers, like the mm-hmm. narrator. And I was like, but I just thought it was their friend. But, you know. No, I, I am 100% convinced she's not a person. Uh, no question in my mind that sh- she is in what? his head. Yeah, there's three scenes she that give it away. Ouija with them. Mm, you see her there narrating the Ouija game. She did not play Ouija with them. Um, she's sitting on the... She's oh, there. Okay. She's not there. Um, Fine. Now, the, the, there's a scene when she's riding shotgun in his car. And the camera's on her side and we're looking at her. The camera cuts to the other side and she is not in the car. Oh my god, I feel so stupid. Okay, keep it's going. Not, not a fun. continuity error, and it's a long shot, but if you're paying attention... Now, they hint at this anyways. There's always this idea of, are you hallucinating? It's something that is a constant question he is asked by other characters. Um, now, he's a detective. And I feel like uh, the narration choice by Paul Thomas Anderson is to uh, harken back to the old noir detective stories. Um, and... Even the femme, the, the man, the femme fatale, is slightly in Catherine Watterson's Shasta. It's there. It's not exact, but it's it's definitely harkening back to the old noirs, which again would would be attributed to the novel first, and then Anderson's interpretation of it. But um, I feel like Shasta is his way of like making himself feel like a detective. Like in the old movies, the detectives narrate their story, so he created a narrator. Um, oh, you mean? Like in movies and stuff. I feel like anybody who's a detective in the 60s and 70s would have seen the noir movies of the time period. And knowing Paul Thomas Anderson is a film guy, um, I'm making a big, bold assumption here. But I feel like that's what this character of uh, Sholaze or whatever, um, she disappears throughout the scenes that she appears in. So like when you see her in things, one, you'll notice nobody else ever interacts with her. She's sitting on the porch with them playing the Ouija board. Nobody talks and to her. And at what point she's standing? Yes. Um, okay, fine. I can find that. So I am 100% convinced that she is a, in his head. Now, I think a lot of the other things are in his head. Um, I, I think Shasta naked is in his head. I think the first appearance of Shasta is real. But I think a lot of the other scenes... And I, that's where I'm... Conf- I, like, I think Bigfoot... I think Bigfoot is a actor on TV and he has dreamt his interactions with the actor or hallucinated the interactions. So I think every time Bigfoot shows up in his world, that's a hallucination. But when Bigfoot's on TV, that's the actor. Bigfoot. Beats the shit out of him. He does. Um, Actually, wait, when does he beat the crap out of him? Doesn't he beat the shit out of him outside of that big house? Ah, uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I know which moment we're talking about. They're, like, about to get in the car or something. They're in between the car and the house of, I'm forgetting the guy's name, it's Shasta's lover's house and his wife and her lover are there. And he is, like, on the floor, like, getting punched or kicked or something. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. He, like, balls up really weird. He gets picked up by, I think, Bigfoot, too, um, in, like, a weird way. But, okay. And- Let's think of the the last scene with Bigfoot when he kicks in the door um, and he walks in and he sits down and then they have that weird moment where they he asks for the joint and he Bigfoot smokes a joint, which is out of character from what we've seen in the movie. And then they speak at the same time and say the exact same thing. And then he de- devours all of the marijuana on the tray. Yeah, I, I don't think that happened. I think that's a hallucination. I think the fact that they spoke at the same time and he says that's weird is him starting to realize that he's tripping and that it's not actually happening. He's high a lot. He is. He is not just high a lot. It's not just weed. We see him do oxygen tank. Um, oh, yeah. And then we see him. Oh, it may have been not uh, not oxygen. It could have been laughing gas or something else because his office is in a dental's office. And then there's another dentist, Martin Short, who gives him some type of powder i i don't know i'm not enough i'm not familiar with drugs it, it, he's got it in like it looks like a medicine bottle but they snort it like it's cocaine so i don't know what it is but um he does that like real way too fast i thought for someone who had earlier acted like because he said like he doesn't do heroin like which i guess meant he didn't shoot up but apparently every other drug was was cool like <laughs> um it's the needles yeah but, but he snorted that stuff too. But this is getting 
Yeah, but again, I am not a hundred percent convinced that I am right. I am a hundred percent convinced that uh, the narrator is not real. Um, even his the guy Dennis that is like his assistant um, that's played like by him. Jordan Christian Hearn. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't know for sure that he's real either. Um, th- I mean, to be fair, there's so much weird stuff going on. It is, and I do think that's part of the film. I think we're not supposed to know. And I, uh, the guy that I just mentioned from the YouTube video, he also addresses that. Um, that we're we're supposed to be unsure of what we're seeing um, as our narrator. Uh, both the girl and our our lead character are unreliable because of the drug use um and he again questions his own thing and people in the beginning of the movie i wish i had written down like who says are you hallucinating is this hallucination and even uh when the the one guy who i'm going to get his name uh michael kenneth edwards or whatever his name is Tariq. um it's the he meets him right after shasta recruits him and he's like hey i need you to get this money back from this uh glenn charlock guy um, and then he mentions, uh, the, the character Wolfman that Shasta had just told him about. And he writes down on the little notepad, um, paranoia kicking in or something like that, because he's like, what are the odds of this happening? And I think that's, again, it's alluding to that. None of this is happening. It's all in his head, you know? Um, but again, not 100% on that, but I, I definitely think Paul Thomas Anderson uh, wants us to be unsure of the world we're in with him. Um, I do think some of it is there. Um, I think maybe the whole Owen Wilson plotline is real. Um, that Jenna Malone if, uh, recruits him to find her dead husband or whatever it is exactly she wants him to do. And then we get the whole Koi storyline. That seems somewhat plausible. Parts of it seem fake. Um the fact that they keep showing up at the same places seems a little off, but but yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, and again, it's possible that Bigfoot does exist, but not every version of Bigfoot exists. You know, that maybe he is just hallucinating things. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've introduced something you were never thinking about, so I might have thrown no. this off. No, you're probably right. I'm not always a bright ground in the box, but I feel like Maybe some of what, maybe some of Bigfoot is made up in his mind. I can get behind that with, like, the last scene. But I think that there, it's too intertwined with the rest of the, like, the other things that are going on in the movie. Um, Like, uh, doesn't he end up finding out that one of the people that was murdered by, I think, the Golden Fang? No, 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 no. I'm forgetting who murdered him. But it ended up that it was um, Bigfoot's partner. Yeah, yeah, that Bigfoot's partner was killed by um, the Golden Fang or whatever. And he got that, and didn't he get that information out of the files that he got from Reese Witherspoon's character? Yeah, I think so. Um, but again, you're you're trusting what we are seeing from Joaquin Phoenix's perspective, which if he's making up all of it, we're gonna see what he sees because that's our narrators. So that's what makes it unreliable. Um, I don't think about movies that way. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, because the plot in this movie is near impossible to follow. Because like, it's a lot. It's, well, it's done so on purpose from what, I, what I've what i read and what I uh, interpreted from the... Well, what I listened to from the YouTube video, that the plot's supposed to be super challenging and, and almost pointless because it's not about the plot. It's about Doc and who he is. And, um, I mean, even think, like, the things that are done illegally are done by Bigfoot. Um there's another scene, I think it's with Bigfoot, where Bigfoot's driving and uh, Doc is in the passenger seat and all of a sudden he's in the driver's seat and he's alone. Um, and I think it was even his car that he put the uh, stolen cocaine from Golden Fang into. So there's a lot of things to... It's almost like if Doc has this moral compass where he won't do certain things, these other people step in and do those things that he then takes responsibility for or you know continues like the stolen cocaine he didn't steal it doc or uh, bigfoot did but then he's the one who sells it you know um yeah and i'm I'm not sure dennis came and went way too frequently for me to understand like i don't even know where dennis came from like all of a sudden he was just there and that's what made me question his existence because 
I, I felt like everyone else got some kind of backstory. Like, we know why they were around. And Dennis just showed up. And again, it's possible that I was just distracted. I definitely want to rewatch this and, like, make more mental notes about when characters show up or how they show up. And more importantly, how they come and go in a scene. Because I think, um, I think there's a lot more of that, su- like, subtle characters just vanishing from scenes that could look like a continuity error or a jump cut, but are intentional to, um, imply that they're not real but doing so subtly so that you really have to be like on the ball looking for that stuff um because anderson is is clearly a brilliant filmmaker and um i don't know i i i had a lot of fun like trying to figure it out while i was watching it are you still there yeah i'm just questioning my whole life right now i'm kidding like what (laughs) um i so Okay, I love Jade. She's, I love, I love Joaquin, but Jade is probably my favorite character in the movie. Mm, because she go, he goes from meeting her at, you know, uh, I don't even know at what the, to call the, that. Uh, I think it was Chick something, um, Chick massage, Chick, <laughs> something like that. Which so, is not even trying to be a massage place once you got inside, because like the menu just has sex things on it like there's not even like an actual (laughs) massage (laughs) yeah and so we go from meeting her like that and like she's i also love that she just thinks that that's going to um you know like divert his attention from what he's really there for but he's like oh and then swerve down the hallway mm-hmm. and he gets hit by a baseball bat or something yeah but then she like starts being a sidekick on this like adventure <laughs> um and that never you... made you question if she was real no i feel like jade is real yeah, jade's real i don't think jade's real because of what you just real. said because she she's just shows real. up all over the movie <laughs> like... no i think that she just like well she apologizes she's like i'm so sorry so i don't think she's not just like all of a sudden in the car um she, she is stop i can't be on this <laughs> podcast anymore what <laughs> well then jade figment of imagination comma um is my favorite made-up character well i mean technically all characters are made up but you know yeah. um you know she's my favorite in the movie and i need you to stop now um and i also love go ahead sorry I was just gonna say, like, even if she's made up, you can still enjoy the character because I love her. She's just like, like ah, da, da. Yeah. well, she <laughs> you know? she actually plays a very similar. She has a much more stereotypical Vietnamese accent in Downsizing, which was one of the the big controversies of the film. They didn't really like the uh, the stereotypical kind of uh, broken English that she speaks in the film, but she's got kind of the same energy. That she has in this film. I've only seen her in these two movies. Um, and I like her as an actress. Uh, she's very... She's got like an edge of comedy about her. Because she is so like hyper and peppy. I think is maybe the word. Spunky even. Yeah. Um, and yeah. There's like an enthusiasm to her character. She's very optimistic. And, and that's... I kind of feel like there is a um, little more aggressive edge to her character in Downsizing, but I think the way she delivers things is very similar in body language, and uh, there's, like, an authority about her, because she's short, but there's, like, this, like, you're going to listen to what I'm telling you right now. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm smaller than you. I will own this this moment. Um, You will hear what I have to say. Sometimes short people have to do that. Um, And I totally realized that I didn't realize that you were talking about the movie that just came out kind of recently-ish with Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were saying I thought you were talking about Super Size Me or something, which I've also never seen. So. That's a documentary, and it's yeah, very it's good. a documentary. I, I just showed my students that actually like a week ago. So I should watch all of these things, and then I'll stop eating bad, but probably not. Um, so anyway, Jade's my favorite character. I don't care who says what about it. And then I love um, all of the '70s things that they put into this movie. But especially <laughs> the cult. That's part oh, of the yeah. plot. The Charlie like, Manson hanging over, like, constantly. Yeah. All the hippie <laughs> elements. Um, yeah, yeah the, the YouTube video and the article that I read uh, both mentioned that um, being, you know, like, an interesting stepping stone I kind of thing. actually really hate, like, movies that are based on cults or, like, 
you know, uh, oh, what was the name of that movie? I think that, oh, Night of the Devil or something. I don't know. But I don't like movies that use, like, Satanist or cults, which aren't necessarily the same thing, um, as, you know, their movie. I don't know how to explain it. But I just think that it's so funny that it was... I think that it did a really good job, like, dating the movie. Mm. Not Setting in the period. Way. No, yeah, it's putting it... Yeah. In the, well, cause, no, because the movie's from 2014. And it was trying to be in the 70s. So, yeah, tying that into it. And then the paranoia that uh, people had about hippies because of Charlie Manson. And, like, <laughs> yeah. um, I guess it was, like, there was a, a... Apparently that was a real, like, concern after the, the Manson thing that oh. all of these people were cultish. And um, that's kind of interesting because I, I don't feel like cults... Even though we've had, you know, a few pop up in the last 20 years, uh, I don't feel like they're a common thing. Like, I don't think we're constantly afraid of cults. You know what I mean? Like, they pop up and we we get skeptical. And obviously there's some talk of, you know, different groups being like like a cult. But like, Waco, Texas was obviously really bad. The the one that thought the spaceship was coming for them. I can't think about that. Maybe. Um, I don't remember. Where they drank all the Kool-Aid and died. That was one. But uh, there was a more recent one out um it was more comment based i can't remember what the name of it was man it was like within the last 15 years i think it had something to do with a comment um and they also uh did do a mass suicide though but oh that was heaven's gate heaven's gate that's it thank you and okay so i don't know if you remember this but i um and i don't it was a while ago and there was a commercial and it kind of was pointing towards like that i guess it's nikes because i'm googling it that like nikes are bad and i think it was a reebok commercial but it was very obviously like like like, pointing at like a cult kind of thing yeah and now i'm gonna have to google that but um i just think it's very interesting because i and i love how they call it a religious group on google not oh some of them say cult but anyway well i um I definitely want to rewatch this one at some point because I am not, uh, you know, I'm not sure if my my interpretations are right. I do have a tendency to, um, I, I, I think I jumped to this conclusion because of some of my early films that I loved a lot, like Fight Club and The Matrix, that both deal with this, the reality is not what it seems. And uh, even, I mean, Sixth Sense, you know, those all came out in like 99 or like, I think Sixth Sense might have been 2000, but... Um, they all had that same idea of like you think you know who your characters are but they're not what you think they are and mm-hmm. so I do go into movies a lot of times uh, especially because of the hallucination thing so I might have projected my own thoughts and I, I even the screenplays that I've written I tend to I tend to have something like that in my screenplays it's something um, I'm very fascinated by the, the concept of reality like the whole brain in the jar that's introduced essentially in the matrix which is an old thought experiment even going back uh to the allegory of the cave which was a plato um allegory where the you know the premise is these if you were chained uh you know where you could never move your head you're ne- like you were always looking straight and for your whole life you only saw shadows of people like people were walking by and you were seeing projected shadows on the wall you would think that that's what life is but if one day you were freed and you found out that all of that was a lie, you would want to share that information. But the people that you were chained up with in the cave might lash out at you because they don't want to see things for what they truly are. And so the whole concept of reality has always been something that I've been like fascinated by. And, um, you know, even Rene Descartes has the I, I think, therefore I am. But that's the only thing he claims that we can know is that the fact that you are able to think you know you exist but you can't know anybody else exists because you're perceiving it through your own mind um so in theory you could exist to yourself and everybody else is a figment of your own imagination and when you've studied that for a long time um in a not because i believe that but because i'm I'm fascinated by the concept of it um the movies like this where they are dealing with drugs and they they reference hallucinations and again, I am convinced that the narrator is a hallucination. Um, I may be overreaching in those other areas with my interpretation. So a second viewing could help me either strengthen my argument or weaken my argument. And I can just tell you that 
I get bamboozled every time <laughs> what I'm shown I usually just buy in I'm like okay you know and, and they're again, showing me their hand you and know? that that is the beauty I think of this movie is it doesn't outright tell you that it's one way or the other it is left for you to decide and I think that can affect the the, the film in a lot of positive ways um, in either way because we've spent a lot of time talking more about like plot and even structure um, I think the characters in this movie are pretty great all the all the way around. There's some really awesome performances. I love Bigfoot. I mentioned Owen Wilson's character, but Doc, Joaquin Phoenix, man, there are some great moments in this movie where he's just it just looks like he's having a really kind of a good time being Doc. Um and man, I, I really do. I've really grown to like Joaquin Phoenix quite a bit. Um and I think this performance is uh, just another one to add to the, the list of awesome ones. I love him so much. I just... And I don't know if you know this, but he and my girl Rooney Mara are in a new movie, and apparently they're dating. So that's the best Hollywood couple ever. Oh. Um, yeah. But I really like him. I will watch movies that I probably... He's definitely one of those actors that I will watch movies that I probably that I might not just because he's in it. He is he's done some movies that I'm not a fan of, but I don't necessarily blame him for that. Like I didn't like Signs. Uh most other people do. I I did not like Signs. Um I've only watched it maybe twice, but there's a lot about it I didn't care for. Um I like The Village, uh even though he doesn't have a super major role. Um and then there's something Oh, I really want to see You Were Never Really Here. Um, I liked Irrational Man. A lot of people hate that movie. That's the uh, Woody Allen film he's in with Emma Stone. Um, you hated it? See, I went and saw that movie because he was in it, knowing that I don't like Woody Allen. I I don't... I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to say they like Woody Allen as a person. I like some of his films. I've definitely not seen many of his films still. Um, I have seen Annie Hall... Uh, I have Manhattan, and I really need to watch that one. Um, but I liked Irrational Man. I thought uh, Cafe Society was okay. I didn't really love Blue Jasmine. I was actually kind of bored with Blue Jasmine. But Oh, I love her, though. I forgot about that for a second. Um, and I, I've been wanting to watch I'm Still Here, uh, the documentary that's not a documentary that's directed by Casey Affleck. Yeah. Are Have they you, brother-in-laws anymore? I don't... Well, if he's dating Rooney Mara, unless Affleck's married to Joaquin's... I thought Affleck was married to one of Joaquin's sisters, but I'm pretty sure that they're divorced now. Yeah, I have no idea, but... Yeah. I do want um, to see this, uh... This doc, kind of... It's not really a doc, it's a fake doc, but... I loved that. I loved all of the, like, hubbub about it. And, like, uh, just... He, did you see any of the like interviews that he did around that time? No, I've actually heard about them though, but I have not seen them. Yeah. Uh so I own it. I just haven't watched it, but I need to. Oh, well, maybe that's a future episode or something. Um not this year it doesn't look like, but maybe in the, another bonus or something like that. But um I'm I think I'm done. I I I like the movie. I don't know that I have a solid interpretation yet. I do think it's fun that I can have this type of thought process after watching a movie, though, trying to wrap my head around what I just watched. I would say I agree, but apparently I have missed a lot. <laughs> well, it's not, again, maybe not. Maybe it's all in my own head that I've built this up. Maybe I'm the unreliable narrator, but um, I, I, I'm going to give this a must-see, though, because I, I do think it is... Uh, it's one that I want to, to watch again. I definitely really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I know I missed some stuff because I, I did let myself get distracted. Uh, but, you know, I, I will... Uh, hopefully my rewatch at some point I will sit down and, like, really watch it and not, not allow myself to get distracted a few times. Um, but what about you? I'm going to go same. Okay. Well, folks, that is our episode for Inherent Vice... Um, we will be back next week with uh, our review of Boogie Nights um, as we continue our journey of Paul Thomas Anderson. Corey, uh, where can they find you on the social medias? 
nowhere. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing. I'm kidding. I'm like, I'm not doing social media anymore. I'm not that cool though. At Corey R Star with two R's on the end. And hopefully you'll post some pictures of yourself at the concert. Um, yeah. You know, assuming they are gonna let you do that, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at. Burke Reviews and read all of my reviews at BurkeReviews.com, including any other writers that show up. Sometimes we get stuff from Big Tuna. Corey writes every once in a while. I'd love for you to write something about your concert um, once you're back and you have some things to say. You don't have to write about each band, but maybe a few of the, the highlights or something like that. Um, and then, of course, we have some other podcasts. Uh, you can subscribe to BurkeReviews.com MovieCast which is where you're listening to this uh, movie club podcast, which also includes our top five podcasts and occasional bonus episodes just under the movie cast guys. Uh, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, which is a monthly podcast I do with Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight, where we review uh, the previous month's movies. We just dropped our uh, April episode, and um, we talk about A Quiet Place, Rampage, Ghost Stories, Avengers Infinity War, and blockers from the month of april so here are our thoughts on those we do uh, that episode is always spoiler free we keep the spoilers to um other people we just want to talk uh, about what we liked and what we didn't without getting into any kind of spoiler content and then um i'm going to recommend that you listen to um both matt's podcast the what i watch tonight show and uh our friend craig's music musing podcast that's music musing podcast um that uh, he talks with his brother about music and Matt uh, what I watched tonight uh, the show they talked to other critics about why they got into film criticism their their passion for film and it looks like they're doing some special episodes on Star Wars and, and Avengers so those are all worth checking out um, thanks for listening folks if you will like us you can either subscribe to Patreon and or uh, at least give us a rating on iTunes or you know what even less than that tell a friend about us Tell them to listen to us. Download it and turn on the music and duct tape them to the passenger seat while you take them for a nice cruise down the coast so they can hear every back episode of Top 5 Movies or Burke Reviews Movie Club. Or, you know, whatever. Corey, have a good time at your concert. Thanks. And, folks, we'll be back in a week with Boogie Nights. Until then, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. Burkerviews.com